0: we are tonight's entertainment you can't handle the truth the fire rises oh, pizza time you're a wizard harry So to be you know
1: how much i sacrificed.
0: you think that's air you're breathing in? groovy i don't have friends i got family we are
2: sex before
0: craft services
1: hey Trent. hi parth what have you been eating most recently Oh, uh, we have a film podcast about
2: the movies. It's true. Yep, um, and the scenes
1: that make them special, Trent.
2: If only, maybe one day. Um, sh- I have the duck shout out. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Um, so what I've been eating is um, we went to Wawa this morning, uh, with my housemate Anthony and friend of the show Jordan Sikafoos because she claims that Wawa has a to die for, um, hot chocolate, which we got, and then uh, things were taking so long to prepare that i couldn't help but uh start making eyes at the jalapeno poppers which were on the little hot stove (laughs) thing and then my mom is i guarantee you gonna send me a text like two weeks from now and be like you shouldn't admit that you stole a ranch packet on the pod but this is they're gonna get you this is me admitting that i stole a ranch packet um, and then bought the jalapeno poppers, and then I ate them in the car, and I guess I got my due diligence because it gave me a tummy ache. Um, oh, well baby. Yeah, but didn't throw up, just nauseous for a while. Um, hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, indeed. What's up with you?
1: Well, Trent, um, my story involves our paths intersecting last night. Um,
2: mm, it was nice intersecting with you last night.
1: Okay. Um, well, last night trent was kind enough to throw a i guess like a band show at his apartment which he does semi regularly once a month um three bands played i came just in time for the third band because i had work Mm -hmm. and a friend of the show sophia alexis um brought some of her old college roommates as well and then we all went to sophia's house afterwards slept over and in the morning sophia was like let's get bagels Mm-hmm. And Sophia was kind enough to buy me a bagel sandwich. Um, and I got a I think it's it's a hot honey bacon bomber sandwich. Oh
2: gosh. Yeah, isn't that, that crazy? It sounds like a mouthful. It like it would be heavy in your stomach.
1: It's uh it was on a plain bagel, egg, cheese, bacon, um, hash brown and hot honey sauce.
2: Oh, so really no need to use the word bomb.
1: You no, know? not really. Um, some of
2: this uh, food talk uh, reminds me, you know, you're using some of the same information as our pre-show casual talk. And it's like the lines are really
1: blurring. I know. I had to be sometimes I have to be so careful about what I'm going to say to you in the pre-show talk because I'm like, this is going to intersect with what I say on the show
2: but intersecting um (laughs) uh i was gonna say something else but instead what i think would be better would be to uh cue the intro
1: oh whoa trent transition king Welcome back to Craft Services where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully you have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This, this week,
2: week. Oh, Jinx, Double Jinx, Yumi Soda, well, Triple Jinx. Only one um, only one Jinx, but okay. And this week we have cinematographer Xabier Kirshner, uh, who is the DP on past lives. And fun fact, this week I said uh the acronym DP to my mom. She said, "What does that mean?" And I was like, don't.
1: Mm. Maybe one day. But yeah, we got we got cinematographer Xavier Kirchner on. I actually just edited the interview, Trent. Maybe like an hour ago. The and first half.
2: I, I, what's the word?
1: I have to say, like while we did it, I was like, "This is good." Mm. And then I edited it, and I was like, "This is even better" because I took out all the stupid stuff we said.
2: Oh, did you any? Did you have to edit in the bozo bell at all?
1: No, I did not, but I... Or maybe I you did, could edit out all of our... I can give you some examples estimate. of what I took out. There's oh, a lot perfect. Of, there's a lot of, like... Um... Uh, so... Um...
2: Parth, I noticed uh, that you do something and it made me feel better because I do it. And it's that during the interviews you try to like look into the camera, more or less, or look at the screen, so it's like the guest thinks you're looking at them. And then when you're asking a question, your eyeballs sort of drift off into space. And you're like Hmm. Final and, Frontier. And you're like, and I was wondering <clears throat> about um on the Ferris wheel scene.
1: Um, the... I don't know that I love this impression. No, but I do that
2: too. I, mean, I, do we that should... I, do, I do that when I'm asking a question in class. It's really hard to like speak and look at your target.
1: It's crazy how similar we are when asking a question. We should make a podcast where we interview industry professionals that work on movies.
2: Wait, but can the professionals be people who typically aren't highlighted in other mediums but i would say
1: i i prefer it's like behind the scenes crew production designers cinematographers things like that
2: it sounds like you're at the right place
1: uh, yeah and i mean it seems like we've got part one of an interview with s- cinematographer of past lives
2: from where i'm standing it's more like part fun
1: okay yeah that too and um, part
2: two next week will be more like part boo
1: there's more Oh, oh! Here's okay. the end. I wasn't inter- sold you're, you're, at the beginning. The, the interview. I wasn't yeah. sold with part part fun, but I am. Uh, In my head, I was sold like, what with rhymes part two? two.
2: What rhymes the two? What rhymes the two? Mm-hmm. There you go.
1: That's a creative process, right there. Um, but yeah, this was a really good interview, Xavier Kirchner. He, uh, I feel the need to say that his wife is like ex- was expecting to have a baby. I know the
2: scheduling of it was a little interesting, but because he was like, I could have to leave in the middle of the interview because my wife is is ready to pop.
1: Oh, well, that's a nice way to talk about someone's wife. But um, yes, basically that's that people is people say, yeah, okay. no, but um, but uh, yeah, I I just wanted to throw that in there just to say thank you because um, I can't imagine it's the the least yeah. stressful time to just sort of sit down and be like. Um, and then when we shot the Ferris wheel scene, it was pretty cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so thank you for that. Uh, yes,
2: thank you uh, again. Uh, it was great. And I think with all this being said, Parth and I should sit here and talk for five more minutes before the interview starts. No, I'm kidding. We should probably start the interview.
1: Yeah, cue Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Xavier Kirchner. He's the cinematographer behind our film for today, Celine Song's Past Lives. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So just to start off, if you could sort of talk about your relationship with film at a young age.
0: I... Got into film well, from, from the Caribbean, from Antigua and Barbuda, small islands, and um, got exposed to and film from an early age through my dad. He shot a lot of, he was like underwater a lot and on the ocean a lot and shot a lot of, um, you know, uh, Super 8 underwater and he, like, in the 80s, he, like, was a fixer for uh, a couple of music videos that came through the island. One of them was Duran Duran's Rio and he ended up like working on that shooting some underwater stuff on that and so like I just got like exposed to him as a hobbyist in this um, and yeah I was just sort of fascinated that you know um, images acted as like an archival of, of you know where I was from and you know my My dad's experiences and that kind of like set me off and ended up watching a lot of films and got into um, like this Dutch commercial company came to Antigua to shoot like a Miracle Whip commercial when I was in high school and uh, this Dutch filmmaker named Job took me under his wing and like he like, you know, one of his like things were like, "What, what do you know about? movies and i was like i don't know not much and he's like if you if you want to know anything like look at the work of robbie Mueller. and so i had done a bunch of research and found out that robbie was actually from um curacao like one of the caribbean islands and i was like oh shit like somebody else from this area of the world can make images like this and that really was inspiring to me. So I just that just sort of like set me off on a chain of events of watching as much as possible and getting as much exposure to um, global cinema as I could. And, yeah. and
2: when did you find yourself with like hold, being the one holding the camera and how did that move you like into how did that start you off with this being a career?
0: On the island, I was like trying to figure out after high school what it is I wanted to do. And I knew it wanted to be something in film. Um, And the easiest way for me to figure that out was to just get a camera and to start shooting. And through that whole process of like... Shredding, you know, producing, shooting, editing, doing the whole thing myself, Um, you know, shot a lot of skate videos and surf videos and was on the ocean a lot, sailing, shooting that. And there wasn't really an economy for um, commercial filmmaking on the island. But I found like a little window where I ended up like, you know, shooting people's wedding videos and ended up shooting a lot of like promotional material for hotels to like earn a buck, and then I just started like turning a living doing that while still being behind the camera. And through that whole process of like recording sound and editing and shooting and you know directing, I was just gravitated towards the camera and and reached a sort of tipping point of being like, okay, like this is something that I feel passionately enough about. That I need to try and figure out how to make films, how to make movies, and um, and then just yeah, left the island, spread spread the wings, left the island, and and you know went to the most difficult place in the world that I thought it was to to pursue that, which was New York at the time, and got swallowed up and shit out a couple times, but uh, yeah. But it ended up through like a very long story, um, getting getting into into commercial filmmaking and then into feature filmmaking. Awesome! I've never heard the term shredding before. <laughs> I,
1: I really, I really like it. Uh, so, just sort of to get us to the topic of the day, um, could you talk about uh, getting involved with past lives and sort of meeting Celine Song and what that was like?
0: We had just, you know been on the tail end of the pandemic and everyone had been pretty still for the better part of about a year and i was just trying to figure out like what it is i wanted to do i had come off a project in 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 the uk um and i was just trying to figure out like what the next thing was and um my uh my agent put past lives in front of me and um, like most things, I'm just like really bad at 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 like reading scripts. Like I feel like reading scripts is like a whole other, uh, like skill set that I just was just never really good at. So it takes me a long time to to sort of sit into it, and it and so it took me a long time to get around to to pass that. I had to like psych myself out for it. Um, but I just couldn't put it down. You know, I read it, I read through it and I just couldn't put it down. And, you know, I felt like a lot of the shit that was going on in that script was, was like pound for pound, what was happening with me in my life. And, you know, um, being like migrating to the U S and, you know, my, my identity as a, a foreigner and, you know, a lot to do with my love life at the time as well, and reconnecting with you know someone that I hadn't reconnected with in a while, and um, it was just like firing on all of those uh, cylinders, and I ended up being speaking with Celine, and we spoke, you know, initial conversation. We spoke for like an hour or change. Like the producers had gotten off the phone at that point, or just like. You, you guys just have at it and we just spoke about like how time and love are you know those sort of uh they're just those these this thing that like love is like the so, the, the sort of let me say this again like love is the, the thing that can manipulate time and bend time and stretch time and twist time in a way that i think not much other things can because it like contains adrenaline and it contains like uh, so so many sort of primal um, uh, so many primal instincts that I I think has like such a profound impact on how we perceive time like when we fall in love like there's no not re- like at least for me there's not really a a way that I can sort of. Um, I'm not operating in the same on the same time span as I was previously. And so we, we kind of like spoke about a lot of that stuff and it was all like happening real time. So I was like working out a lot of thoughts when I was speaking with her and she was, she was just like amazing um, and really inspiring in those conversations and really articulate. And I said I had to do the film no matter what. Um, And we figured out a way to make it happen. And, um, yeah, that's how I kind of got connected to Celine, uh, and then it was a long prep time. We, you know, that was like in January, and then, you know, we didn't start shooting until the summer. So I had a very long prep time on the project, which we just continued those conversations.
2: Our next question uh, is about the prep time and it's if you could sort of describe uh, what you're doing during that time and what were some of the movies that, you, you know, inspired you or were among the conversation between you and the director.
0: We like during prep, like one of the first things we were doing was just trying to figure out what our shorthand was going to be, like how we were going to communicate with one another. I always find you know, that to be one of the most exciting things about filmmaking is um, studying the director as much as I study the script. And in this case, it was like just kind of learning about Celine as much as possible. This was partially autobiographical. She had written the film and it was coming from her. There was no other, you know, um, source. So we kind of like went through before watching films before anything, we kind of went through the script her and I and she had like a Spotify playlist of different tracks, Sonic songs, you know, Leonard, you know, Leonard Cohen to Korean love songs So just like, you know, instrumentals, some some more poppy stuff. And it was just like going through the script scene by scene Uh, or moment by moment and just talking about it like what like like how would you describe this scene in a sonic feeling and it doesn't have to be like a one to one representation like this doesn't have to be the soundtrack to that scene and it really just helped um, me understand emotionally what was happening on a sonic level which then informed me what the metronome of the film wanted to be and so I understood like what, like, how Celine wanted the film to move and wanted the film to feel on a pacing level. And then we went through the script again. And this time with the production designer, Celine and myself. And we read, so she was like, uh, okay, it's a three-hander between three characters and... Us three are going to read a part of each character, and so for a few weeks we just went through the whole script and just read. I was assigned Nora, and Grace was assigned Haesung, and Celine was assigned Arthur, and we would sort of swap it up every now and again as we would go through, and we just read through the script as these characters, and really sort of and spoke about character. That was the first thing we spoke about was like, why would the character say something like this? Where were they emotionally, um, and went through the whole script like that and it was really amazing because it was you know understanding approaching a film from a character's point of view i feel really informed um a lot of what we wanted to do visually because it was all it was like it was psychological you know there was nothing else it was a very sort of like psychological approach and now we spoke about like you know how we wanted to um, represent what they were going through their, their uh, internal life how we wanted to represent that externally and you know we spoke about um, architecture and framing these characters against certain pieces of architecture uh, to represent what they were feeling or what they were going through um, we spoke about you know the, the, the movement and the, the sort of went back to that metronome of the film and how we wanted to represent time. Um, and we wanted to move through the story and we wanted to, to, we ended up deciding we wanted to move from left to right, you know, as a way to guide us through time and the way we, the way we sort of read in Western cultures from left to right. And that was like um, a big driving force for us to decide how we wanted to move the camera. Um, and, Yeah, just spoke about colors and we spoke about, um, you know, we very rarely spoke about like lenses or, you know, any of that stuff and spoke about the elements and introducing light and rain and, um, you know, clouds and all of these things that we could use on a visual level to help represent the passage of time um, and, and the fleetingness of it. And so that was, and we were lucky to be in that state for a very long time because we were supposed to shoot X and then we pushed for another month where none of us took any other work. We're just like, yeah, bucket, let's just, let's just keep cooking on this. And so we spent a lot of time just talking about, um, talking about the film and the characters and, you know, and I, I think one of the like most interesting things to me about, this process and which is now informed like a lot of other future processes since then has been like, um, what I think cinematography is, or one of the things I think cinematography is, is, uh, it's, is observing and capturing human behavior and like doing that without prejudice. Right. And, and, like being in the mindset and like being in the mindset of these characters and thinking about like how would how do they move how do they hold themselves how can we watch them from a distance and really let the physicality of the acting be the thing that dictates our visual language was something that was was really became evident um, and something that we really wanted to explore so
1: talking about I guess sort of the images they're really composed not in like a overtly stylistic way but that there's obviously a style that the movie has and sort of i guess i'm wondering um on set what did you what were you working with like did you have shot lists did you or was it j- sort of more just instinctually like w- we're figuring it out
0: when we're mm. there. do you know what i mean yeah Yeah, we I mean, we had a we had a shot list. We had some scenes were storyboarded, like the whole Skype stuff, all of that was sort of boarded out. Um, And uh, we had the whole thing kind of set up, like even before we started scouting, we kind of knew what we wanted, not in like, um, again, our ratio wasn't like, this is the exact shot we're going to go out and like try and replicate that thing. But we knew the feeling and we knew the like distance we wanted to keep from the characters in certain shots. We knew that there were certain architectural things that we wanted to frame them against. And um, there were certain things that were written into the script, you know, like character, like the, the characters split in the beginning down they go their separate ways. Like all of that was written in the the sculpture statues in the beginning that was written in the, the the sculpt, the repetition of the sculptures Um, when they meet again. That was that was like that was all written into the script. She had sort of devised all of that. And so we just we kind of went and uh, and tried to figure out the best ways to articulate that. And through scouting, you know, we, we, we had most of the film nailed down during, like, during the scout time in terms of what the frames were, and, you know, a lot of it was also, like, what, like, Celine was new to filmmaking, she had never made a film previous to this, not a short or anything, so you know, a lot of that scout th- time was like, okay, like here, like this is what like a 50 millimeter lens looks like, you know, like this is how it feels. And this is what a 20 millimeter lens looks like close. And this is what it looks like far. And so just like kind of figuring out how to view these locations um, through lenses was something that um, became more more active during prep. Um, and we we really, yeah, only really stuck to about, two three lenses during most of the shoot. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. About no, that. no, that was great.
2: <laughs> so you mentioned the split perspective, um, of like the two main characters. And we were wondering if, um, you established any sort of like rules, stylistic rules as to like, this is how the U S is going to look and we're, and this is how we're going to shoot Korea and, you know, uh, if you'd speak on that at all.
0: Yeah, we we, we didn't... I mean, really early, early on in prep, we spoke about, like, how do we want to... Do we want to split um, visual language for place? Do we want to split visual language for time? And it just mm. became, like, too much of a flex on our <laughs> end. So we decided, let's just keep... Like, everything just needs to be as simple as possible. Like, simplicity was the thing. Like, it needed to feel real and simple and authentic for it to to play and if we started flexing too much it could have you know it just it's a very it was like a very thin line it could have been pushed over into a world that um just felt a little bit uh, contrived and so it was very much like let's just keep it the same let's keep it natural and through um the sequence of images instead of like trying to focus on particular shots through the sequence of images, will sort of feel the metronome of the story, you know? Um, and so that's what we did. Um,
1: so as I understand it, um, you shot this movie on 35 millimeter film. Just, could you talk about that? Just cause uh, especially for a directorial debut, I feel like in this day and age shooting on film is not the norm and sort of what that, medium
0: gave you I
1: guess, artistically
0: um, The so when we were in prep you know, Celine we, we were just talking about what we wanted the image to feel like um, and you know the films we were looking at were films like Yee, Yee, you know, by Edward Yang and we were looking at films by Corieta and there was a certain timelessness that thirty-five mm had to it. It was the grain structure, the skin tone, the highlights, the way they were bleeding. Um, all of those things were like really exciting to us in term in terms of this story. And then we, so you know, one of the biggest things was trying to figure out, you know, uh, how how are we gonna even achieve this because shooting on film is super expensive and it's hard for studios to back first-time filmmakers shooting on film because you just don't know anything about how they're going to work what are their shooting ratios what you know how much film are they going to use um what about playback all of this if we're going to korea how are we going to get how are we going to see dailies there's no labs in korea we have to ship it back so it became like this big logistical thing That Celine went to really go and back for to go and bat for, and her whole like philosophy behind it was really interesting. She was like, "Listen, I I've never made a film before, but I come from the theater, and one thing I know to be true is in the theater you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, and then you get one take, and I think that she's just like an incredibly confident person in general, and her confidence in that." Overlap in process was something that gave everybody a lot of trust that uh, She knew what she was doing which she a hundred percent did because our, our our Take ratio was super low and she was she came super prepared her actors became super prepared and Yeah, and she, we we pulled it off, you know, and um, Yeah, it was amazing. I love working with film. I think it it's I uh, there's a sort of uh level of patience a level of preparedness and uh, focus that it brings i think that those cameras purring on set like make the actors drop in in a completely different way you know um and celine used all of the the sort of proclivities of film to her advantage to get what she needed out of her performances um And it was for this particular story, it was the perfect choice, we believe, you know, because because we we tested digital and we tested everything and threw it up on a big screen and graded it and just like felt, you know, did the whole sort of, um, you know, not going to tell you what is what and let's look at it. And it was like that was the thing that she was feeling the most. And so um, shout out to the studio for supporting us and our Producers for supporting us.
2: Being shot on film, uh, this is something I feel like I should know by now. But do you need to light it drastically differently than
0: if you would if you shot it digital? Um, Not drastically. No, I didn't approach it like too differently. Uh, Nighttime stuff, you you would need more stop, you know. Um, And but my lighting approach was was pretty was pretty simple and pretty similar to how i would have done it for digital maybe i would have approached nighttime stuff slightly differently because of the sensitivity of digital cameras or daytime stuff um differently because of you know maybe some of the lack of latitude the cameras had at the time we were shooting uh but nah i would have would have done things pretty similarly are you able to explain
2: your basic lighting setup at all
0: Yeah. I mean, we, our basic lighting setup was, I mean, it was always motivated by the environment and what was happening. Um, we wanted to use like a lot of tungsten lamps, um, because, you know, tungsten and film, it's just skin. You can't really beat it in my opinion. Uh, but we didn't get to use as many tungsten lamps as possible, just because of the lighting gags that we wanted to do throughout the film. We wanted to see light disappearing and appearing in, in certain areas, and LED provided the most flexibility for that. One particular um, sequence was the sequence during Skype, where they were speaking to each other on the phone. and. That whole, most of that scene was just built. We built two sets in New York next to each other, um, had two computers, linked them both together, and shot uh, one side uh, at a time, but both actors were acting in real time. So we had to light both sets at the same time. And Their opposite ends at a time zone. So we needed to feel, you know, that it was night or day in korea when it was day or night in new york and that final moment in um, the skype scene where there were Nora's calling it off uh was it was dawn in new york and dusk in korea and we just wanted to emotionally represent you know the the sun setting on on one end and A new beginning rising on another and through that we had like a it was like a three or four minute scene and the lighting gag sort of changed as the scene went along and it was a very simple and subtle uh thing i think and um yeah we just it's just something that that led lights really helped us out with and so we had like you know that's if you notice that scene it goes from like dark to light as the the scene goes on and um, so it was, like, stuff like that that we were trying to use light as, as um, an emotional motivation, but as in a naturalist space as possible.
2: One interview, Parth.
1: Yeah, Trent. I think this was a really good one, if I do say so myself.
2: It was so good that frankly, <clears throat> I you wish there feel, was more, I would feel unfulfilled um, if leaving this conversation incomplete.
1: Yeah. Uh, good news for you. This is part. This was part what, fun.
2: I'm not doing anything next Sunday. I could probably carve out some time. Would oh. that be?
1: Yeah. No, if we wanted a part boo. Oh. Hmm?
2: Scared. Yeah, there's more.
1: There we go. Um yeah, uh again, thank you so much to cinematographer Xavier Kirchner. Um it was really cool talking oh, with you. Parth,
2: I wanna hear something that we should have mentioned earlier. Oh god. And what? That has happened in the interlude of since we've interviewed. Oh my Shabye, god, yes, Kirchner yes. I, I think moment. I know what you're yeah. Uh, his wife hasn't had a baby yet, but something else big. I mean, as far as I know, not that he would reach out and tell us, but uh, something I, that we do know happened is that uh, this movie was nominated for best picture. Best
1: picture, yeah. Uh, and so, oh,
2: maybe... I, 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 I checked to see if it was nominated for best cinematography, which unfortunately it's it was not, not. It's not because that would have been even one step cooler. But this is still obviously very, very cool. So yes. congratulations. Yes,
1: um, and fully I, deserve it. I would yes
2: say. i i completely agree i so how many i was wondering not to be this guy so how many oscar winners have we had on the show
1: two oscar so, winners i don't remember but oscar noms maybe that's uh, um eddie hamilton one uh um, oh now ruthie Ruth young. Ruth young oh I, I mean i guess that's another one that we should say in the interim between the last episode in this episode, um, Ruthie C- Young was just congrat- nominated for an Oscar.
2: Congratulations to you, um, Ruthie Young, two-time guest. Yeah. Well, uh, we know that
1: like the awesome. only thing missing from your life, other than the Oscar nomination, was us congratulating you for your Oscar <laughs> nomination.
2: <laughs> yes, so I'm sure that you can rest easy now. Um, but again, um, uh, and, and then we had um, the Nomadland f-
1: producer. We did. Uh, Molly Asher, my former professor. And Judy Farr, who set is an decorator Oscar winner, who's who an Oscar an I- winner, yeah, mm-hmm. for um this the King speech. Yeah. Um I'm sure we've had more, but I really cannot remember it right yeah, now. Yeah.
2: But um, I mean not
1: to be that guy, but we genuinely have had some very, very cool people, very accomplished people come on the show. And yeah, you know?
2: Yeah, not the tutor on horn, but
1: but let me just say like we had Eddie Hamilton he was nominated for an Oscar afterwards. We had Ruth Young she was nominated for an Oscar afterwards. So I, like I don't know. There's so just like the craft the, services to Oscar pipeline is pretty strong of. it. Yeah,
2: correlation is not equal causation, but there's a pretty pretty clear cause and effect here I'd say. Like
1: that's what I'm saying.
2: You go on craft services, few months pass, you get that gold. Baby. You get you get the call. You get you the get, call.
1: But if the audience needed a call mm. To listen to craft services, or even a call to like get updates for craft services, what would they even do, Trent?
2: A call to service, a call to arms. Um, mm. So if you want to call us, Parse phone number is. Beep! No, um, you you fucking wish. Um, nine oh eight. Uh, huh, huh. i i'll give you Pause guys give, that. give everything but the last four leave it you know leave someone who's really determined can find you
1: well that seems smart
2: okay so you guys can find us on um instagram and twitter or pardon me <coughs> x um we don't, call don't it that is the cool thing to still call it twitter the cool thing is definitely not to call it x okay i i Okay, so you can find us on Instagram or Twitter, um, and then um, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher. Um, rate us five stars if you have gotten this far, I guess. That'd be cool. I tell your friend. It really does Trent, don't help. Don't be so
1: enthusiastic.
2: And we'll
1: see you next week. Yeah, part two, part boo. Shabby Char- Char- Kirchner <laughs> coming out next week. We'll see you then. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye -bye. Bye -bye. Bye guys. Okay.